Christian soldier, pick up your weapon. Let's fight the battle. We're not alone for the has that testimony. We'll soon be home. We're not defeated. Amen. God bless you all. It's wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. There's no place that we'd rather be. And how many, how many enjoyed the service this morning? Amen. Amen. I, I bring, God bless you. That's all the singing will do. I, I bring you, I, I believe I bring you greetings. I, I don't remember Brother John saying it, but I'm pretty sure Brother John would say greetings back to Edmonton. We were down a couple of weekends ago at Brother John Andy's church in Washington State, um, Hannah and I, and it was just wonderful. We had had a chance to be with Brother John and Sister Sharon, Brother Steve, Sister Hannah Clark there, and um, Sister Sally Powell, her husband, Brother Mark, different ones that you might know, and it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time with the believers there. They have a wonderful church there named End Time Message Tabernacle, and so we, I think we bring you greetings from there, but... While we were there, we had a chance to speak on a thought of living for the, for the hereafter with the young people and, and another chance to speak on, interestingly, shalom, light overcomes darkness while we were there on Sunday night. And I'll say today has been an interesting, maybe special day, I don't know on everything, but overnight, Hannah had worked a night shift and had a chance to speak with a Christian person, a Christian man that just shared some things. And some of the, he shared a scripture with her and a couple of things he shared just fit with the service that I was thinking about for tonight. And even a Sunday school lesson we were working on for tomorrow, this morning, which was just interesting how it fit. And then I had been thinking about shalom and I'd been thinking about even light, even pressing in on darkness. And then I had been looking at, there's a man that can turn on the light. And then I my title was going to be for tonight, and it still is, Ye Are the Light of the World. And then Brother Andrew just came in, and just the whole service was just preaching on light, and ye are the light of the world. And so God knows why, but I guess I ho- hopefully I get to relax, and God has control of it all. And we don't know everything, but God has a plan. So. But maybe we could turn to Isaiah chapter 60, and then Genesis chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 60, in Genesis chapter 1, what a wonderful service this morning. Truly, light, when it shines on us when we're in the wrong, it becomes a detractor. But when we step into the light and when we let the light and the word wash us and cleanse us and, and when we embrace the light, all oh, we're changed. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. My title tonight will be, Ye are the light of the world. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. This is the text Brother Branham, I believe, would partially bring with Shalom. So there might be thoughts from Shalom, and there's a man that can turn on the light. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. Not another person's light, but your light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Notice it's not saying just Jesus was the light of the world or, or, or Elijah was his light or, or Moses was a light for his day. It's saying your light. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. 
And I want you to catch, this is, brother, you'll see that God's first words, this is the word and it's what is written, even in the beginning is the word, is the word of God, but you see God's first spoken words, and note what they are. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, verse 1, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And then God divided the light from the darkness. God bless you. You can have your seats. I'll take some thoughts from, as I said, Shalom, and, 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 and there is a man that can turn on the light. And, and I believe that we can say tonight, Shalom. Brother Brandon would say what that meant was peace or good morning. It was a, it was a Hebrew greeting that was come forth when you'd meet someone, you'd say, Shalom. And it meant peace, good morning, this is a good thing. I, I, I wish peace upon you and upon your family. And that's what we can do, and that's what we can say when we have that light and when we have Christ in our life. Now, for t- my text this morning, and I'll say this night, Brother Brandon would say it's an odd word, shalom. Shalom in the Hebrew means peace. And that's what I say to the church tonight, shalom. In Finnish, he would say it's called Yumalan Roah, which means God's peace upon you. God's peace. And then he would, he would be in 1964. He would have just come through and preached, there's a man that can turn on the light at the end of 1963, and God's gifts always find their place in church order. And then he would come and preach, there's a man that can turn on the light. The New Year crosses in 1964 as he comes to fill out his, what will be his final full year on this earth, 1964. He would pass late 1965, and he preaches shalom. He preaches it in a little home meeting to 30 or 40 people in January 12th, and then he would preach it again a few days later, and then he would preach turn on the light again. But this thought that he was in of shalom and the light began to be a theme for him as he would enter 1964. And he would say, my New Year's message to the church is to the church elected in Jesus Christ for 1964, not just to the church groups, but to the elect, the lady, the lady of the church, Christ's bride, that's who I'm addressing. We're facing here in our two subjects, as we read in two scriptures, rather, a very contrast, one to the other. In Isaiah, it says, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has come upon you. The light is here. And then the next verse, very next verse, it says, gross darkness is upon the people. Brother Ed has taken some services in the last while talking about the progression of sin and darkness and how marketing and advertising and all these things have come and taken the people down into darkness and down into darkness. Take a drive through a neighborhood and you'll see Halloween like you've never seen it before. And it's sickening. You see things hanging from things and you see big creatures and what a manifestation, a physical manifestation of the spirits that are hanging on the people. Gross darkness upon the people, but arise because you're light has come, and darkness only gets stronger and more congealed as light is beginning to press on it. When there's light beginning to break through, it's only the darkest right before the dawn. We're facing two subjects, light and darkness. The difference is here, just like we're facing this year both light, both darkness and light. We are, the world is in one of the most chaotic times of darkness it's ever stood in prophetic words, and yet it's standing again in the most blessed light that it ever did shine in. The difference is just like it was at the beginning when there was gross darkness on the earth and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and said, let there be light. God separated the light from the darkness, and I believe that we're now living in that hour again when God is separating the light from the darkness. He's pressing it to the other side of the world that the light might be made manifest. Brother Brandon would go on to describe the, 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 the degradation of the world and the, how people would, he would even say, I believe people don't even know what they're doing. He would say they, they've come to a, such a spot where the darkness is pressing them into it. They want to do right, and the darkness is holding them back from doing it. There's such a press and such a darkness and a, a congealing of the darkness around that good people, he says they're friendly people, you, wanna, you, you like them if you talk to them, but there they are and they're doing this and they're doing that. Cotton, he would even talk, he says our sister's caught in such a web of Hollywood and all these things. Our brother's caught in, he says, wearing purple shoes or whatever he would say, pulling apart from what we ought to be. And I have the quotes, but I'll just move quickly through it. There's a darkness that's pressing in, a gross darkness on the people. 
but arise, your light has come. It's returned to us again. The Bible has spoke of this day that we live in, Shalom. And he said these things would come, gross darkness upon the people, and we see it. There's something that just the people want to. They want to do right, but they can't. Why? There's a spirit. There's a pressing. There's a darkness. What they've been feeding on and what they've been growing in. Maybe I'm distracted. Well, not distracted, but just things I read. a, A headline today in an article a little bit. They said... It was an article, and you talk about the gross darkness and Halloween and some of the things coming in. Brother Ed said he would preach his Halloween message, so I'll, I'll say my, what my title would be. It'd be Boo Devil. <laughs> that would be my title for Halloween message, so you can take that for whoever's taking Wednesday. But there was a headline that I saw just came out today that they were saying beach tourism has is, is gone downhill while Halloween and haunted house tourism is on the rise. That is, what are, the, what, are the, what are we feeding on? What are we, when you feed on the things of a haunted house or where a murder happened or where this happened, you're feeding on the things of, that are not edifying. It takes you to darkness. It manifests sin. Brother Brandon would talk about how gambling would lead, to, would lead to drinking and drinking would lead to adultery and adultery would lead to broken homes and then murder, the, degres- the degradation of sin. And we begin to feed on death and macabre and all of these things. Where will it take the world in a tribulation when the mercy seat is gone? When, when, when we've lifted off the earth and all the feeding that's been going on, the Halloween we see now that might look innocent, but when they've been feeding on nothing but death and now they're released to do whatever. Oh my. But I'm so glad that we're still here. I'm so glad there's still a light shining. And let me say this, when a, when a city is set on a dark hill, it can't be hid. And I want to say tonight, shine like you've never shone before. This will be the age where we can shine like we've never shone before because of the darkness that's pressing, but the light is pressing also. It would say, watchmen, what of the night? The night cometh, but the morning also. Arise and shine, for your light has come. That's the gross darkness that's upon the churches and things, to fail to see the light that's shining. My, to fail to see the light that's shining. There seems to be such a heavy press. We take some of the noted evangelists today, and we see it today too in 2023. They're constantly screaming for a revival. America politically is crying for a revival, and they will not have it. We have the revival, but they will not have it. They're crying for it. The politics is crying for it. Demon forces, religion forces, political forces all coming together, trying to create a Roman revival, and they have it. They'll have their Roman revival and they have it, but the true revival, the true light. They're screaming for revival and working right against it, not understanding without understanding. Now, and he says, I don't mean to say that in the motive of trying to say, now we've seen this light and glory to God and they're not in it. Because that's not right. To say that, to get the people to think, well, Brother Branham, you think you've got the only truth in the world. No, that's wrong. He says, I'm only saying it in the light of the hour that we're walking in. And for the benefit of the people who are trying to seek this light, truly, Jesus said, no man can come to me except my Father draws him. No man will ever see it. It's that predestinated seed, and that, is, that only is going to receive it. But we've got to come to that place again. The Bible said, you are the light of the world. We find that the moon in the heavens is to reflect the light of the sun in the absence of the sun. It gives us the light to get around. No matter how much it reflects, it's still not the perfect light because it's reflecting. And the sun shines against the moon, and the moon reflects its light in the absence of the sun. But when the sun comes up, then the moon is not needed anymore. And today, the church is reflecting Christ's light in the absence of the Son of God. The church is a reflection of light because he said, A little while in the world seeth me no more, yet ye shall see me. For I will be with you even in you to the end of the world. And there's no light except through the word of God. The sun is the word of God, that sun. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And here's what happened. A principle was laid forth. God spoke his first words verbally that were ever spoken, and it happened. So what light became was God was pointing attention to a symbol that he would place throughout all of the Bible. When the word is spoken, and when the word of God was manifested, It was light. 
Brother Branham would say, when the word of God was spoken and it was manifested, light was spoken, light came, light became the word of God alive and manifested. So you are the light of the world. The word then, and the manifested word of God, when the word of God was manifested, there was light. First God spoke it. What if it didn't manifest? Then it wasn't light yet, because he said it would be. But when God spoke it, and then it was manifested, vindicated, his word was vindicated, you could see the light with your own two eyes, faith ended in sight, light came into existence. And that's the only way it can be done now, is when the word is vindicated, God's written word vindicated, then it shows light. You become light. It's a portion lit or put out for each age. Brother Bradham kind of described, if I heard it or understand it right, he talked about how Jesus, almost as like a series of candles, Jesus' life, as he was fulfilling prophecy, another candle of prophecy was being lit. The life of Christ, there was another prophecy fulfilled and another one fulfilled, and the candles were being lit of prophecy. This was the light. There was that scripture. There was that scripture. And the light began to grow and manifest itself. There's a certain portion lit or put out for each age. We find it in the church ages. We find it in the Old Testament church ages. Every time there's come for a time, a certain manifestation of the journey, there was a prophet come to the earth. The word came to that prophet, and he made the word live. When that word was identified, it reflected God. There was the age. There was the light. So when we look at the light today, we've seen that the light has been promised. Malachi 4, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. And then he came. And he became the light of the hour. But it was also, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. And you came. And I came. And we became the light of the hour. The manifested word of God for this hour. You could, you could take and you could, you could not accept light. You could say that I, I don't believe light. Brother Branham would say to not accept light or to not believe it would be, I, I would say that would be, a, well, it would be a terrible thing. I'll say it that way. You could lock yourself. You could go down to a cave and pull away from all of humanity and say, I'm not going to accept any more light or natural sunlight in my life. You could pull yourself into nothing, but that doesn't take away from the fact that light exists. You could pull yourself away and, and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to take any light. I'm going to just use whatever light I can create by a fire, and you better hope that your cave has a, a stack out the top or you're going to smoke yourself out back into the sunlight. Or you could try to order your Uber in and hope that your phone holds a charge long enough, but you can't get solar powered, and you've got to go back to get the sun if you're going to keep that phone charged. You, every life, we exist by the power of the sun. Plants exist by the power of the sun. Life exists, animal life, botany life, all forms of life exist because of the power of the sun, the warmth, the life-giving rays that it brings, and so it is in the spiritual. If we stay out of the light of the hour, we'll die. If we stay away from what has been promised for us in this day, we can't live. We can reject light and go to darkness, and I'll even bring it to shalom. We can reject peace and go back to our fear, but God's promised peace. He's promised a light to shine. And light always overcomes darkness if we let it shine. Gross darkness is upon the people, but Brother Branham would say, what about the light? He said gross darkness would be upon the people, but there would be light. Rise and shine, for the light has come. How can there be darkness and light? It has to be separated. You'll never enter a room, you'll never walk in and divided down the middle will be the light side and the dark side and and you can't see a thing over here and you can see everything over here. It doesn't work that way. There's always a separation. There's always a driving back of the light. There's shadows that are cast all the way down the pews. I can see shadows being cast and we can see shadows around the building because the light will hit a solid object and it can only go so far. But there's no way that you'll ever enter a full darkness with light. Light always has to flee at the presence, or darkness has to flee at that presence, at that something. Light has to act as well. It's in the visual realm. So when you have darkness in a room, it wouldn't matter if you played the loudest noise you could play. That does not drive back darkness. It wouldn't matter if you brought out the smelliest cheese you could find. That smell will not drive back darkness. The loudest sound, the loudest noise, the the smell, 
all of these things, a feeling or a, or a touch, that will not, you can push back darkness, only light. Light is what drives back darkness. It's only the word of God, not our best efforts, not our best anything that will push back the darkness that, of the, that presses us day after day, the daily battle that we fight and face. and It tries to come down on us and, and push us down and drive us back and put us into fear and all of these things. What does darkness do? Fear. When you're in the nighttime, you hear a noise. It's, but when the light shines, you play the loudest noise, the darkness doesn't go. You put whatever you want, but when light shines. It's silent. You don't hear it. You don't smell it. But you can see, and all the fear is gone. Everything is gone, and it's clear again. Rise and shine, for the light has come. How can there be darkness and light? It's got to be separated. And the only one thing that separates it, the word manifested, separates it. It presses it to the other side. And I love these words, the word manifested. And I always think, well, what does that mean? We know that, but what does it mean? It means when God said it, by his stripes I'm healed. And you take it, and you believe it, and it's manifested. It comes to life in your mortal body. That's light. It's the Word of God manifested. It's what He said He did. And we know what He says He can and will do. He's promised it to us. If we'll meet Him at His conditions and meet Him at His Word, it presses to the other side, the darkness on the earth. When man, the mani- but when the manifested Word of God, the Son which was spoken to existence by the Word, shows itself Darkness runs to the other side. That's what's taking place now. Darkness separating itself from the light. Now to the elected church in this dark hour, which we could stay on for that for hours, but I think he, said, he says, I think we've said enough. You understand what that means. But to the church, I say, shalom, God's peace. Every true Hebrew, when he meets another, he would say shalom. We were in a couple of Muslim countries, Egypt and Morocco, and they, what they say is salam. That's their version of shalom. Same thing, it's Arabic versus maybe Hebrew. But it's a peace, it's a greeting. Salam, salam alaikum, whatever they would say. And it's the word that they use everywhere they go. And and it's a greeting. And when you would go to, I've never been to Israel, but when you would go, they would say shalom. It means something. Now, what's interesting about the word shalom, when you take it, the word shalom would mean peace, completeness, welfare, health, it's a wonderful, beautiful word. The root is common; is a common Semitic word with the meaning peace in different languages. Shalom is a very important term in the Old Testament, has maintained its place in the Mishnaic, Rabbinic, and modern Hebrew, as they say. In Israel today, people greet the newcomer and each other with the words, mach shalomka, which is, what is your peace? Who is your peace? What is your peace? What brings you peace today? What is your peace? How are you doing? And they ask about the peace or the well-being of one's family. Shalom, the Hebrew word, is, is, is derived from a root meaning wholeness. When we don't feel whole, we don't feel peace. But when there's a wholeness inside, when there's a peace inside, it's complete. There's nothing, there's nothing lacking. There's nothing I want. All I have, I, I have all I need. Shalom, shalem, another word that's similar, to be complete. Be sound. Shalom means to make peace. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Interestingly, the man that helped build the second temple, remember that great big temple that Solomon built? Have you ever thought of what Solomon's name might have meant? It's derived from shalom. Shalom. The man that built the place for God's rest. David couldn't build it. He said, but you're going to have a son that will build it. You'll have a son that will build it. And it'll be a man that was a man of rest and not a man of war. Interesting, even the story of Gideon. He would come, and one day maybe I'll get into a little bit more, but Gideon would come and would, would, would be called of God. If, if God be God, where are all the miracles? And the Midianites would come and take their crops year after year. They would, they would let it grow up and they would tear it down. Let it grow up and tear it down. They weren't complete. They weren't whole. They wouldn't have their full crop in harvest. The angel of the Lord comes, or an angel of the Lord comes, and he calls that place Jehovah Shalom. And he still asked for a fleece, and he, he still needed to see the dream of barley cake, and he still, he still had all these fears and things that would go to before he completed the battle. But from the beginning, 
He had been told. He had a revelation that I'm Jehovah Shalom, the redempt, one of the redemptive names. The darkness, we'll change gears back, the darkness is separating itself from the light. God's causing it. The light is doing it. See, the light's pressing itself in such a way that darkness has to congeal or congregate, he'll say here, together. People have had a chance to accept it, but they won't, so it's condensed itself and he would talk about, and they do that by putting the churches together in the world councils of churches. There will be a coming together. There have been many lights in the world. Brother Branham would say when, when the word is spoken and the word is manifested, it becomes light. So Moses would have been a light of the world and Noah would have been a light of the world. Brother Branham would say Noah was the light in his day. He was the light. Moses was that light. He wasn't saying he even was representing the light, or, 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 but he was that light because Christ was in him. The Spirit of Christ, God had entered him. Jehovah at the time had entered him to the place that he became the light. That was the representation of God on earth, and God is light, and in him is there no darkness at all. So he was the light. Noah was that light. He was the light to what? To make God's word. And God's word said, I will destroy man upon the earth that I've created, so build an ark. And all desires who desires to come in it will be saved. And he set out a place of refuge, a place of safety, this ark. And the man that was commissioned to build it was the light of the hour. He was directing people to the place of safety. That was the place, and that was the light of that hour. They said, he's an old crazy fanatic, he was the, but he was the word made manifest. Noah was the light of the hour, sure was. His day, his age, he sprung forth the light. Moses was the light of his hour. I'll surely visit you, God said to Abraham. I'll come down, I'll take my people with a strong hand. I'll show my power in Egypt. And when Moses up there met that burning bush, he met that light that had consumed a bush, but it wouldn't be burnt. He met that burning bush up there and found out the I am was in that bush. Moses went down and he became the light. No wonder he could take some dust and blow at the air and say, let there be fleas that come. He had the word of God. What happened? The dust began to blow, and fleas began to come into existence. Why? He was a manifestation of the light of God's word. I'll plague Egypt. He, when he, what he said, come to pass. The reason, Pharaoh might have had everything he wanted to have, and all the rest of them, the priests had what they wanted, but Moses was the light. Why? He was showing forth God's word manifested. God promised, I'll bring them out under a strong hand, and I'll get myself glory. And then he makes a statement that I want to build on a little bit. That's the reason Moses proved that he could create. Not because he wanted to create, but because God told him to. So the word that was spoken for was something that he was told to say. He entered into the channel of that statement that he was saying as the light of the hour and he began to speak a word he threw up the dust in the air and he said let there be flies and flies begin to be coming out of the dust and, and it, out of something there was a, a whole new creation that he was commissioned to do as the light of the hour not because he wanted to create because God told him to and with that go to the congregation tomorrow and the Lord just spoke to me take a handful of dust throw it up in the sky there's none here but it will be there and then he says, oh, I hope you're not asleep, Brother Branham says, oh, manifestation. He says, I am sent. God did not say to our fathers, surely he would visit us down here and take us out. I've come to prove to you that the hour is at hand. Amen. They might have said all the things about Moses. They might have shot. You, you think of what it was like to grow up in Egypt as almost, almost, almost the Pharaoh, and then leave and go to the backside of the desert and unlearn all that you had to unlearn and, and lose all thoughts of freedom and, and come back now, met the burning bush, had a life-changing experience, a light-changing experience where you've come now and you've taken the light. And that now what you're faced with, and I'll say what we're faced with as the light of the world is darkness. Every Monday morning, every Tuesday morning, every Wednesday morning, it faces us when we get going. It faces us when we wake up. But we have the ability. We have something in us. And what it is, what that ability is, is to trim our wick and to take in more oil and let God light us on fire. Start a fire. 
Let it burn. Let it grow. Let it be something that we can light another fire, another candle that maybe they've had a little bit of oil or a little bit of something that they can get lit on fire too. To shine our little light. And we become that manifested word of the hour. Oh, shine our lights. God help us to shine like we've never shone before. God help me. Elijah was the lighter. Daniel was the light. Joel spoke of a light to come in Joel 2.28. But so it is in this day, the word made manifest, a quote will come to the scripture. The word made manifest, come to life, is the light of that age. So there the word made manifest, just like in Genesis 1, when God said, let there be light, and there was light. When God said in Joel 2.28, it shall come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Upon my handmaids and my maidservants will I pour out of my spirit. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. All of these things that he promised when he see it, the Holy Ghost fell, was the light upon that world, and the word was made manifest. It became light. I wonder if we could turn to John chapter 8. I want to look at the two moments that Jesus said that I am the light of the world. And what was, he, what, was, what was happening in those moments? John chapter 8, verse, we'll start actually before verse 12. I've got to find where we're starting now. I was looking at this in the back a little bit more. Maybe we'll just start at verse 1. This is the prelude where, before Jesus would say these words, I am the light of the world. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives and into, into the temple in the morning he came again unto the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. Not a good situation, a lot of darkness. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act, and they didn't bring the man. They only wanted to, to get after her. And when they had set her in the midst... They, set her, they say unto him, Master, this woman has been taken in the adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They said this, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. They had been looking for something to get after him with. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself. He was perhaps shining a light on their life. Perhaps he was writing the things that they had done last week or the things that no one else knew about. Or he was writing something down that was shining a light, and I'll say it was a detraction to them. Yeah. It was pulling away from them. It was something that they realized, I can't, I'm not qualified to stand where I'm standing to try to stone this woman. Yeah. I, I would say it was that. And so when they, they doesn't say what he wrote, though. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up, up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin... Among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. The light was shining. The detraction was on. They, they had been face to face with the light. They thought that darkness could do something. They thought their own reputation. They thought they had something on them. Being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Here was the light, looking at the religious leaders, but also looking at a sinner caught in the act. And the light was now shining on her, but she had something in her to repent. She had something in there. With the, when the light would penetrate into the darkness of her heart, when the light penetrated, she could say, Forgive me. I didn't want to do that. I was trapped. It was, it was something I didn't want to do. It was, it was because of this or because of that. And I entered a path. But I, I, I'll, I'll gladly accept this light. When she was faced with light, there was something she could accept. And it became her sakura. This is a good message, Brother Andrew. I'll keep taking it. And it became something that supported her. He said, woman, where are thy accusers? She said, no man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. And if he wasn't condemning her, there was some repentance that had just went on. There was something that had just happened in her heart. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. Then he says this. 
Then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. A woman that would follow me, though she walked in darkness, she will no longer walk in darkness, but she'll have the light of life. When light comes, life follows. There was God speaking life. There was another story of a man that was found blind, and the, the disciples asked, what did this man do? Was his parents sin, or what, how did this sin happen? He says, nothing happened that, that, of any form of sin. It was that neither hath the, the man sinned nor his parents, John chapter 9, but that the works of God should be made manifested in him. Here's a blind man, and I'm the light. That's the only reason why he's blind is I want to show that I can bring light, I can bring healing to a blind man. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he stooped down, he spit in the ground, and he healed that man. So what was he saying? As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So what happens today when he's not in the flesh in the world, but he's in you? As long as he's in the world, he is the light of the world, it means you're the light of the world. That means I'm the light of the world. There's so many, th- there's different paths I could go and I'll just figure out how to, to take this, but we won't, we won't take too, too much longer, don't worry. But we can't get warm by yesterday's sunshine. We can't get warm by a Pentecostal light or a Baptist light, or a Lutheran light, just like you can't be warmed or lighted by even what was five hours ago, it's gone. That light is over. You could live in the glare of it. Maybe you see a a recording of what happened in the sunlight earlier today on your phone. That would only be a glare of what was. But there's a light for today. There's a light that has to happen for today, and the devil will bring so many false lights. He would talk about how there was the, 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 the biggest robbery that ever was was a false light. If, I, if I'll read it, if I understand it quickly, there was a big train that was going down the line in England and they, they had put a, maybe a caution light, a fake light, and then another red light down the line. The train stopped and it was robbed, $7 million back in the day. And they couldn't figure out how they had done it, but it was a false light. It was something that was put in front that seemed real, like a mirage in the desert, a, a thirsty man sees the mirage. I mean, he's ever driven down the road and seen that mirage that just keeps coming up on the highway, and it's not there over and over again. My, am I glad. Do I have water bottles and I'm in a car? And am I not in the Sahara? That would be awful. But that false light, that mirage, that, that light that's reflected that's not true, or, or that something of a previous age is not what helps us today. And we know that, but we have to say it, that light is not our light. Our light is something that's real and true today. It's alive. It's the rising of the sun today for us. And what it does is there's a promise, and there are promises in the word for the people today right before our rapture. There are promises for us to manifest today right before our rapture. The gifts were good. The the holiness was good. Sanctification was good. Justification is good. We need all of those things, but it's building towards something. Brother Brandon would say that the, the, the seed, as it would grow, in the months that it would grow, the sun would get stronger and there'd be a more appropriate light for each season that would come. So what a plant needed in June was what the sun put down on it. And what it needed in July, a little stronger, was what the sun gave it. But the plant was also more mature to receive that sunshine. So if the sun would have been too strong in June, the plant, was, the plant wasn't strong enough to receive it. But if you also had received June sunshine in July, it wasn't enough sunshine to really grow what you were supposed to be growing by July. And in the end time, there's a strong sun. There's an evening light that's come, that's come to, Brother Brandon would say, bake out the greenness out of us. Bake out all the little isms and feelings and attitudes and all the little, it's a honing time. It's a time where the, the pyramid's growing up and it gets more finely tuned and there's, there's more required of us. There's a, there's a more perfect way to walk. There's a more perfect way to talk. There's things that was permitted back in the day that now God does not wink at anymore, but we're coming up to a higher point of light. We're coming up to a stronger light and the good news is there's a mature bride, a mature plant that's ready to handle it. We're not just in seed form anymore. 
We're in wheat form. We're going back to seed. I'll say we're in seed form in that we're birthing another seed because of the light of the hour. Oh, what a glorious light that we have. Now, I want to take a thought. Brother Brandon would talk about Jesus. And this is part of what is promised for us today. And it's amazing. Brother, Brother Andrew took a part of that with the greater works. There's another part with the greater works that I'd been looking at already. Now, in all ages, God has set forth so much of his word for each age. God always sends somebody that the light can get into and show the light of it. Oh, it's beautiful. That every age, it does the same thing. Always does that. He was the fulfillment of the divine holy powers of the prophets. They were minor gods, he would say. When the word of the Lord came to a man, Jesus himself said that that man was a god. Little g, lowercase. You know that. He said, if your law said, and your father said back there, called them who the word of God came to, called them gods, then he was saying about himself, how can you condemn me when I say I'm the son of God? If what I'm doing testifies of it, then I am the light just like they were the light. When the very God himself who spoke the word through the prophets, he was the manifestation of that spoken word. And if the prophet was called a God because he was the manifestation of another prophet's word, how can you condemn him when he, when he was the same thing? He was the son of God as he shall be called the son of God. He was the long-promised Messiah that the world had waited on. He was the Messiah's promise made manifest. He says, if I do not the works of my Father, then condemn me. But if you can't believe me, believe the works that I do. Believe the light that I'm shining. If you can't believe in the humanity that you see, if you can't believe in the veil, if you can't believe in the badger skins that you see, believe that the works that I'm doing, at least believe that. Believe the works that I do. They testify who I am. That is testifying who I am. But you see that blind, darkened hour that they had lived in, they couldn't see it. They just couldn't understand. How could he be that? How could he be any son of God when he was born right down there in Bethlehem? How could we be the bride of Christ when we were born into this and we were born into that? And Solomon, the man that meant shalom, he was born, his mom was Bathsheba, and the situation was a little funny. There was this, there was that. There could have been a, maybe a better substitute for Solomon, you would think. But he was the light for his hour. He was the one for his hour. How could there be that? They, they knew his apparent father and mother. If they only knew that the word said it would come that way. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are the very ones that testify of me. And yet here was Christ. He came in a certain form. He came in a humble way. He had come in, in a way that wasn't received by the intellectual and the, the, the religious and the smart and the proud. He had come in such a way, but he was the light of the hour. And he had come in a way that he didn't have failures, but I'll say we have our failures. And yet Christ comes in us. Christ comes and lives through us. And he says, but Brother, but brother, 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 Branham, brother Branham would say, not only did he say, I am the light, but he said, ye are the light. If his word is you in the beginning, bearing record of itself in your life, then ye are the light of the world. The light of each age manifests just the same. So let's not leave the light to just Jesus in the flesh, but you're the light of the world. Christ is in you. If I could go back to what was preached in the summertime, it's not robbery. We're Christ. Christ is in us. We are, Brother Brandon would preach, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. That mystery that God had in his mind, Christ was revealing it. But what was it revealing in the further extension that there's a bride coming that will reveal that mystery that Christ had desired, that he desired a bride that would come, the light of the world today, the body of Christ on earth today. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So if Jesus Christ is sitting on the, with the Father on high, who is the light of the world? He's still here. He's with us. But who is the light of the world? Uh, maybe I'll apply it to our lives just for a little bit as we would begin to wind down. How, how can we be that light? How can we take that now? And I, I think we, we all go to our job. We all go to our places of, of, of whether it be work or school or our day-to-day -day life, even with our families, our friends. How can we shine a little better? How can we come to that spot? I want to do that. 
I, I feel like I don't do that well enough, or I don't have that boldness I ought to have, or that moment. And, and sometimes you think, well, what's the wisdom in how much should I say about what I believe, or how do I present this, or how do I present that? There's a truth to, you know, there's a truth to how you present and having a wisdom. But I'll say this, we can get so caught up in that that we just run into our shell and not say anything at all. If we look at Christ, if we turn our eyes to the light and feed on him, when you're going to school, put, on, put in your earbuds and turn on, a, on, turn on a tape. It'll change your day. When, you, when you're going to work or when you're going to your place, turn on the car stereo. Do those things. Look to the light and the answer on how to be a better light will come because it'll come out of you naturally. Because when you begin to feed on a certain thing, on a certain way, on a certain path, and you begin to feed on the Word of God, and it suddenly, that desire, I see an opportunity that I, it, it just came out of me and I said something about what I believed or, 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 I, or I offered to pray for them or I did something. It just came out of me naturally. I wasn't sitting there thinking, now is this the moment or should I say something or what? Well, the light shone. The light came forth. Turn your eyes to the light. That's a light you can look into all day. There will be no blindness. You'll only see better and better and clearer and brighter. Do you see it? There, there was a man one time went to, went over to Wales during the time of the Welsh revival. And a bunch of men went out from the United States and they went down. They wanted to find out what building they was holding this Welsh revival in. Many of you remember the Welsh revival. Great revival bro broke out amongst the, the Welsh people in Wales. These men, these great big ministers and so forth, went from the United States, the doctors of divinity, and they wanted to go see that great thing. So they was walking down the street, and they met a little old policeman standing in the corner, whirling his club around, whistling a hymn like that. And they said, well, he's whistling a hymn. We might go and see what, what he's going to do. We'll ask him a question. So they maybe got their courage up and went and asked the, the policeman a question. They asked him, sir, sir, where is this Welsh revival at? And he tipped his hat and said, sirs, the Welsh revival is held in here. Yeah. Oh, that's it. He was the Welsh revival. Where is it held? I hold it in here every day. The oil is here, the lamp is, the wick is trimmed and I shine. Oh God, if we can only understand that we are the reflection of Jesus Christ, his word made manifest. Ye are the ref you are the reflection of his word. Where is the revi Welsh revival held? What building is in? Sir, it's in my heart. He was the Welsh revival. Today, the church ought to be Jesus Christ in action upon the earth. Because I live, ye live also. So if the sun gets a little stronger every day, and the wheat plant gets a little more mature every day, there's something that we're coming to. And we've heard this. I've heard this all my life, because I've been raising the message. The third pole, the manifestation of the spoken word. But we're coming to it, and I believe there's some that have even stepped into it. And we keep saying, we keep saying, it's just a little farther, it's just a little farther, but let me say today, don't put it any farther off. Israel's under attack. There's a ground invasion of Gaza going on right now. The world is beginning to change in another direction. The White House said today that they have hard questions that they're asking Israel about what they're doing. Israel is being turned on. Things are happening. The world is shifting. All the different players are shifting. All the different things are shifting. Darkness is setting in on the people like never before. For a while, all they could talk about, they, they would talk about a war in, in, in Ukraine, in Russia, and now they, they've almost forgotten, and they're in another place. And, but what happens when the next big thing happens, and the next big thing, there's, the, the United States is in turmoil, the economy's on its edge, so many things all at once. And it won't fully break through, we'll be gone, I believe we'll be gone when a tribulation sets in forth, but we're at a spot, we're at a place where we're going to have to have a, something inside of us that no other generation's ever had before, where we have to be ready for a rapture and we'll be ready with what Brother Branham would call that, that little room. There was that place in that little room where they went in and they didn't quite know what happened, but they came out and they were different. There was that little, that little room, that little place, that secret place, that hiding place, that place of shalom that they could go into. Amen. And when they were there, he that dwelleth under the secret place of the Most High it abides under the shadow of the Almighty, that place of shalom. Brother Jean, when he was here, made a statement that stuck with me, and I was just talking to someone yesterday, and I asked them, what, what do you think the definition of peace is? And it was great. 
And Brother Jean had put it this way. He says, peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. Peace is the presence of God. Moses would pray at one point. He would say, God, if, if your presence go not before us, don't send us. And I think we can pray that every day. We, we, we crave that moment when we know that presence is with us. And we don't feel it every day. We don't. There's moments where we get this or that or just God even almost allows us to, to learn to have faith beyond the feeling. But that presence, that peace, that shalom, we have access to that. It's something that shines not with the absence of trouble, in the presence of all trouble, the presence of God comes forth. Why? Because light can shine in darkness. Brother Brandon would say, and there's a man that can turn on the light. Listen, I just want to take you now and let this be personal. I don't know. I'm a little decided. He says, decided whether to turn that off now, the tape. I, I'm not sure if I should record this or not, he says. But I'll just say it on there. And he keeps going. I want to ask you something. Watch this. He said, see, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His works, what he did, manifest itself. Now listen close. When he stood there in John 14, 12, he said, the works that I do shall you do also. Greater than this shall you do, for I go unto my Father. Now he said it. Heavens and earth will pass away, but his word will never fail. And he would say a few different things about the greater works. A part of it would be, he would say, well, no man could do greater works than Jesus. You could only do more. But then he would begin to shift from that in the message. He'd begin to say that you can impart eternal life. There was something you could impart, eternal life. Christ in you giving life, light becoming life. And there was another part that he would say about what the greater works would be. Listen, if the Roman calendar is right, he, he begins to paint a picture of how close we are to the end. If the Roman calendar is right, 1963, I think, 1963 for this tape, if the Roman calendar is right, we've got 36 years left. That was their cap on however they had marked it out. Every 2,000 years, the world meets her end. First 2,000 years, destroyed by water. Second 2,000 years, Christ come. This is 1964 coming up, coming up 36 years now. Now, if the Egyptian astronomy calendar says... If that's right, we're 17 years out because they had it a little bit closer. And I'll say, those things have even passed. We must be so close. Amen. But when we see these things, lift up your heads. Amen. Redemption is drawing nigh. The work will be cut short for the elect's sake or there'd be no flesh saved. And then he shifts gears back. He says, the works that I do, Christ said, shall you do also. Same kind, but greater. Shall you do? Now watch, listen close. He says, I pray God will open your heart and your mind to understanding so that you'll understand without saying too much here. Notice, he said one day, let's see some of the great works that he done. Stop for a moment. He says, you feed them something to eat. One time he said, they said, we have nothing. He said, well, what have you got? Bring me what you've got. And they said, well, we've got five barley loaves and two fishes. God bless you for the prayer. And he said, bring them to me. And he took the original five barley loaves and began to break them loaves from that original source. And from the original, he made bread. It fed 5,000. He says, is that right? Then he said, then he said, and he, and he got a fish, hand me the fish. And it was a fish to begin with. And he took off and he, he took that fish and another fish and another fish and fed 5,000, right? But in the last days, he had nothing. And he said, he just, he just spoke and said, say it'll be there. And it was there without anything. And, and then he gets at what he's getting at. He says, he never had a squirrel. There was none there. He just said, let there be. And there was. All his word is infallible. Now, what would that place us to be? If there was a time where Moses threw dust up in the air and flies came, and there was a time where Jesus broke the loaves and the fishes and fed the 5,000, or Moses put his staff in the water and it turned to blood, or Elijah would cast something in and it would, it would, it would cause the water to be cleansed, if I'm maybe not remembering all, but different, different things that would be done. They would do this. They would throw that up. Even Brother Brandon would throw a rock in the air and an earthquake would start. But if there would be a moment where it would shift to something a little bit farther, Something a little bit more intangible, starting with nothing, where Brother Branham is out and he needs squirrels, and he would ask, how many do you need? Well, I need so and so many, and he would say, well, say where they are, and they'll be there. And he would say, there, and there, and, and out of nothing. Where does that put us? That was the light being made manifest for today. That was the light shining on a crop that would be mature enough to receive it and manifest it today. 
What was spoken? How do you write? I give you your boys. Life was spoken. What was spoken? I, I, I speak squirrels. Life was spoken. That was their need and their cry, but it was a life-based need. It was, it was something that was needed. It was necessary, but it was something that in that moment, God allowed that door to open. And what was the door that was opening? All the way back to the beginning when God said, there was darkness on the face of the deep, and he said, let there be light. And out of nothing, it takes us all the way back to the beginning. It takes us all the way back to a place where ye are the light of the world. And oh, what a light we are. Oh, what a light we have access to. The light that shines today can hold back all the forces of sin and hell. Whatever comes against us, whatever would come against us in this end time, and oh, it comes day after day, night after night, Time after time, it comes against us as young people, as old people, as middle-aged, Brother Brandon would say, all three. He would say it would come against us, these different, that web and that something, that darkness that presses in on us. But there is a light like never before, a light all the way back to the beginning, a light that's taking us all the way into a rapture, a rapturing place, a place like Brother Bradham would say in Psalms 27, and he would begin to talk about a hiding place a place of shalom. All that light isn't meant to just be something that you speak worlds into existence necessarily and, and run away, or, or, but it will be a place that will be reserved for people that have the character and maturity to take that light Amen. and manifest that light. God won't just let that light shine through someone that won't have the character. Brother Harold, I think, or different ones would say, you know, you'd be speaking people out of existence if you had that power and the wrong character. We need the character now to handle to handle the flashlight, so to speak. If you have a strong laser pointer and you're shining in people's eyes, you have a problem. If you have a strong laser pointer and you're shining it up on, at airplanes, you can actually get a criminal charge, I believe. There's a power with light, but you need the character to handle that power of the light that you have. And if we're the light of the world, the whole world can see that city set on a hill. One day, it will be so apparent, right before the end, and maybe I'm adventuring a little bit, but They'll know at some point, we'll be, there'll be a, a squeeze at the least, and the squeeze is on already. And at some point, maybe after a rapture, they'll, they'll know and they'll hunt down the remnant of that light. But we're the light of the world today. Let it be that we would shine our lights in a way that if we, if we let me say this to myself, if I believe that this is true, if I really, and I believe that this is true, God, take away all the ashamed and all the ways that you, I, I lack boldness to say what I believe and to stand for what I believe, to shine a light in the darkness in my workplace or wherever I would be to have that, take a message book, put it in your bag when you go. What if you could give it to someone? What if you had nothing to give to them? But take that something, have that something that would shine. I hope you catch my heart of what I'm saying. I say this to me. I want to be a better light. I want to come and have that light shine through me where anyone that would see, there's something different about him. It's been said that, you know, we should be preaching a sermon every day, testifying every day, and if necessary, use words. Live it. Doesn't mean you have to say all the time, but live it every day. And how you drive and, and how you, would they know you're a Christian if they didn't ever get to meet you, but they watched how you were through the window and what you did in front of them and how you, would they see us as Christians? I, I believe that, you know, if, 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 if how we act, what would it cause them to talk about us behind our back? If you're driving down the road and you do something and you make them mad, they're responsible for getting upset at you. What testimony did we do? That's not just a one-off moment. That's an interaction. That's something that's real. We ought to be a light everywhere we go. We ought to be a light and shining, a winding down. When the light turns on, it produces a life. We don't just speak our natural carnal desires, but God will activate this in a people that is mature and ready and has a certain character. Matthew says, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to, unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. It doesn't even say your good sayings, but it says your good works. 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, he follows up year the light of the world with this, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise be fulfilled. Or shall, no jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Darkness is pressing. All these things are pressing, but I can say this. It's shalom now. We're at a time, and I'm done, but we're at a time where we can take in our hearts that something, with, that, that, something that peace, that hiding place, where we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what rages, no matter what comes, God will provide for me because he can provide for me better than I can provide for myself. He'll heal me because he can heal me better than anyone could. He might use a doctor, he might use, but, if, but he will heal me because he's promised he would. Maybe he'll take me to the other side. That would be the ultimate healing. He's the one that delivers and saves from any temptation or sin. There is no darkness of temptation that can stand before the light of the hour, and I believe that with all my heart. There's no family situation. There's no trouble, no struggle, no difficult thing that God can't. He's, he says that for those that are called and elected according to his purpose, that he can work, and he does work all things for good. He can take the wrong and make it right. Like Joseph came and said to his brethren, what you meant against me for evil, God meant it for good. He can turn it all. No matter what darkness you face, I'll say tonight, you're the light. Shine. Let it shine through you. Let it shine on you. Let it be the thing that takes your whole life and your whole vision. Make us more like Jesus. As the musicians would come. And I wish I had a good closing quote right now, but I'm not sure if I do. But we're the light of the world. We're that city set on a hill. There'll be a time one day, just like a, a water that would rise up, dew that would come from the heaven and, 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 and lay there in the early morning. You go out in the early morning at 6 a.m. and you see the, the dew in the grass. But slowly as the sun begins to rise in its strength, as the light begins to rise in its warmth and strength, that dew begins to rise again and begins to go up into an atmosphere, into another place. One day, one day between six and nine, there will be a, a resurrection that will come forth. Something that will arise, the rising of the sun in a new way, the redemption of our bodies. Jehovah Shalom. God's peace is with us. God's peace is with us. Amen. We'll walk in the light. Jesus, the light of the world. We'll walk in the light. Let's all stand. Such a beautiful light. We'll come where the dewdrops of mercy. Shine.
Oh, uh-huh.